This episode of Spawn is brought to you by KnowYourOTCs.org. Did you know that one in five parents believe using a spoon is okay to measure medicine? Well, it's not. With cold and flu season here, remember to follow the dosing directions and use the measuring device that comes with the medicine. Be precise with the right device. Learn more at KnowYourOTCs.org. Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. And I'm Kristen Chase and we are the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com and... On today's episode of Spawn, oh, we are talking about a lot. We're going to talk about women in politics. Yeah. Woohoo! And why the wins from the November 6th midterm election mean so much. And what else, Liz? How we can continue to encourage our kids' interest and curiosity in the political process, particularly the girls, I will say. Yes, particularly the girls. And of course, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. But, you know, in our last episode, we promised our listeners we will come back with an election show. And we were a little vague, Kristen, because we didn't know how things would go. Yeah, this is true. This is <laughs> We wanted to make sure, like, we were talking about something topical based on whatever happened. And to me, the standout news of the night in the midterms this week was women. (laughs) I'm optimistic. Yes, I am too. I mean, can we just talk a little bit about some of the lows? Like, I really wanted Beto to win in Texas. Here's here's what I'll say. Without getting too crazy political, for the listeners who might follow my personal feed, you know I'm very political on the side. But um, (laughs) I think the thing that was devastating was that a lot of really excellent players like Andrew Gillum in Florida, although at this point there is still a recount in Florida about that, Beto, obviously, in Texas. Hopefully, Stacey Abrams will come through in Georgia, you know, get rid of some of the voter suppression issues down there. And I think what was awful was that they were so wonderful. Well, they were all dynamic. They were all dynamic. And they really brought a different sensibility. They brought life to the process that I think we haven't seen in a really long time. These are like rising stars. These are like the breakout celebrities. You know, like when Vanity Fair does their like celebrity issue, but they're all like 12 years old. This is kind of like that. But, you know, they're like in their 40s. (laughs) So I think we're going to see some really exciting people come up in politics now. Who knows? Maybe we got a vice presidential candidate in there even. So I see it more optimistically. Sometimes you don't win your first race, but you come in really strong in your second. And there were so many really exciting stories that weren't getting the coverage of like Beto O'Rourke. No, I agree. I mean, that outweighed it. And I love the spin and the look at the positive because I think it's easy to be like, oh, man, especially when you look at who they're running against. I won't go into that, but focusing on the women. And I don't know if listeners have seen this, Liz. I know you've seen it. There's an amazing image that's going around with photos of women who won. And it's so inspiring and amazing to look at their faces and think, in my lifetime, we're seeing that. And that's exciting to me. Which is why, first thing this morning, I sat down and I was like, I need to write about this. And so we have a post on Cool Mom Picks right now about why it matters to our girls and boys that more than 100 women are going to be in Congress right now. And in fact, last I checked, and again, we're recording this Wednesday night, so there's still lots of counting going on, but there are already 96 new women that are being confirmed into the House of Representatives and the Senate. That's so exciting. That's unbelievable. That is so exciting. And considering we've never held more than 84 total of the 435 seats in the House right now, 96 so far. And we're still counting. We're still counting. Yeah, it's amazing. And the thing that's so exciting is it's not just like 
women. It's like firsts up and down the country, coast to coast. So Ayanna Presley, first black woman in Congress from Massachusetts ever. Because Massachusetts, you think like, oh, so liberal. Mm, not so diverse up there. So that's pretty awesome. The first black woman in Congress from Connecticut, Johanna Hayes. The first Muslim women in Congress. Two of them, Rashida Tlaib. I hope I'm saying this right. I'm sorry. And Ilhan Omar. First two Native American women in Congress, Deb Holland and Sharice Davids. The first Latina women in Congress from Texas, Veronica Escobar, Sylvia Garcia. The first women in Congress from all of Iowa ever. They've never even had women at all in Congress. Cindy Axney and Abby Finkenauer. The first women senators from Tennessee, Marsha Blackburn. The youngest woman ever elected to Congress is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York. Work, where I live. And while the race still hasn't been called at this point, there are still two women battling for Senate in Arizona, Kristen Sinema and Martha McSally, and one of them will become the first female senator from Arizona. That's some list. That's an amazing <laughs> list. And all I can think about is I watch my kids and they are so involved and they see these faces and they're going to grow up seeing these women and hopefully more and more women taking over. And I just, we never had that. No. We really didn't. I still remember Geraldine Ferrero. Yeah. Like that was like the big deal when I was You a know, kid. when she lost was when she cried. She like showed emotion. And everyone's like, oh, that's yeah. it. Women can't do the job. That's it. And, no and so when I started researching this article, I went totally down the data nerd hole, Kristen. Of course you did. Wikipedia has the most awesome, fascinating page just on women senators, oh. <laughs> which I like love so much. Who knew? Who knew? Here's what I found out, okay? It took 159 years of the U.S. Senate, 159 years of male senators until the first woman, Margaret Chase Smith, was elected to serve a full term. Until then, there had been several other women, but they were usually appointed because their husbands held office and died. That's insane. And one was a special election, but she's the first one who was elected to serve a full term, and that was in the 40s. And it took 30 more years until 1978, Kansas elected Nancy Kassebaum as senator, and that made her only the first woman in history to win a full Senate term without her husband having served first. 1978. That's like our lifetimes. Yeah, that is our lifetime. Gen X. And that's insane. <laughs> that's insane. I know. You know what I love? If we tell our kids that, they're going to be like, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Well, they think that's old. So. Like when I tell them that women <laughs> couldn't vote, they're like, what? Let alone black women who exactly. didn't have the vote until years and years later. Of course. You know, we talk about this a lot, that representation matters in books, in movies. We wrote that post about hidden figures. And I was so taken by that one scene. I don't know if you remember this when Katherine Johnson is sitting down with her three little girls and she's tucking them in for the night after getting back from her hard work at NASA for the day. And one of the girls drew her as an astronaut. And she's like, oh, that's so silly. And the girls were like, why is that silly? And you realize because while her character had grown up at a time that girls couldn't do things like that, like become an astronaut, right. the girls were growing up seeing their mom as someone who Absolutely. could be an astronaut. And that completely shifts the whole culture. When you have 50% of the population growing up going, oh, well, I can do that. It's not a big deal. Look at all the other women who have done that. And particularly for girls who are Native heritage, Latina, black 
black, Muslim. I think it's just really exciting to see yourself represented and say, oh, that could be me one day. It matters. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talk about it all the time and it makes perfect sense. Kids learn by seeing, right? Seeing and doing. Yes. We can tell them as much as we want that it's possible. But when they're able to see someone actually do that, that is a world of difference. That is life changing. And so this, this celebration makes me so happy. I love that people are celebrating this because it deserves to be celebrated. This is a big deal. I agree. I don't necessarily support every single one of these women. I still think they all matter. Like to be the first female senator from a state is a big deal, even if they don't support the things that I support. I think that's just the beginning of change. And you know, women just bring a new perspective to things. Did you watch Confirmation? Did you ever watch that, Kristen? Have you watched it? No. Washington no, look at the Anita Hill hearings? No, oh, I didn't. Oh, you got it. You'll love it. It's so good. I feel like so much of this stuff I avoid because I just would get really angry. But it's <laughs> like encouraging. That's, I'm just speaking my truth. Well, here's what happened. So like two years ago, Women's March, right? We all marched. And then it inspired all these thousands of women because even like for school board and at lower levels on community levels, down ticket races to run, yeah, right? Yeah. First they march and then they ran. Sometimes you need something that like spurs you into action. That's really kind of the end result of confirmation. Oh. At the time, there were only like a couple women senators, too. So there's actually this awesome scene where men are like in the Senate dining room where women weren't allowed at the time and they stormed in and demanded them to pay more attention to the hearings and to Anita Hill's testimony. And the Joe Biden characters like, oh, you can't be in here. And the women were like, too bad, we're in here. That was the beginning of like all these amazing women on both sides of the aisle deciding, you know what, I'm going to run. And then what happened was in 1992, a year later, so many women ran and won right, that like right. time called it like the year of the woman. And I remember Barbara Mikulski, she had this great quote and she said, calling 1992 the year of the woman makes it sound like the year of the caribou or the year of the asparagus. We are not a fad, a fancy or a year. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's right. That's awesome. That's right. That's it's great. not some token cute thing that happened one year. And she was like, watch what happens. And now here we are two decades later. And oh my gosh, a hundred plus women are are going to be in Congress. I think it's amazing. And I think for our younger listeners who don't remember, like, when it was a big deal that we had, like, the, yeah. you know, Sandra Day O'Connor enter the Supreme Court, you know, it's easy to take that stuff for granted. But that's what's so exciting. We're going to have kids that get to kind of take this stuff for granted. I know. I'm glad. If there's something to take for granted. Now, I know your kids were super involved and were up on all the news and keeping track. Your daughter... <laughs> we can't be up on all the news, let's be honest. There's new news like every 14 seconds. Yeah, but you're pretty much up on all the news. Eh, I'm just going to say that. For most people, I would say you are. But what was interesting is that my kids as well were really curious. They were curious about who was running. They were curious about what they stood for. Uh. You you know, my son um, had met one of the representatives here. Marguerite Quinn came to their school. My husband has spoken with Brian Fitzpatrick a couple of times. So, you know, my kids have been a little involved. But I have to say, it's exciting to me to see that. You know, my son's like, wake me up. 
wake me up when they call it. I want you to wake me up, which is so weird. I was like, okay. And then I thought about it. I'm like, that's awesome. Of course I'll wake you up. But I forgot. But anyway, sorry, <laughs> Well, son. we went to an election watching party through a bunch of women friends who were all supposed to bring kids and no one brought the kids except me. Oh, so well, there you go. my kids actually got a lot of attention and too much apple cider. <laughs> and they ran around until like at 11. They're like, please, mom, can we go? I home? know. It was so compelling. But I said, we just need like one big thing to celebrate and like we can all hug together. And so when they called the house, that's when we're like, yay, that's the moment and we could go home. So let's talk a little bit about how we keep the excitement going, right? Like, I love that my kids were asking these questions, but it was, you know, we were coming up on midterms. You know, now we have some time in between. And so I'm wondering, and I'm sure there are other listeners out there too that are like, well, how do I get my kids excited about this? And also balance it out with the crazy, right? Yeah, I think that's yes. such a challenge. It's like, it's so crazy. Well, there's going to be a lot of crazy still. Like, as yes. we speak, there is like a congressional crisis happening and people mobilizing to march in the streets about protecting the Mueller investigation. <laughs> so yeah, politics isn't something that happens every November. It's something that affects your life every day. And I heard somebody really smart say, when there's a good government in place, you don't have to think about it a lot. But when the government is not functioning, you think about it all the time. And that's really kind of what's happening right now. I guess the silver lining is that there's a lot of awareness and right. more civic engagement. But I would say the first takeaway is to know that like civic starts locally. You know what I was doing this past weekend? I <laughs> We all went out to like the playground on this beautiful fall Sunday to write postcards to Mayor de Blasio in New York City on behalf of Save the Promenade. P.S. guys savethepromenade.org. If you've ever been to the Brooklyn Promenade, <laughs> the most beautiful place in the world, I can't even they want to like, this. you know, know, do some construction on the BQE underneath the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. And they want to um, replace the historic promenade with a six lane highway for like eight years. Yeah, It's crazy. It's the world's craziest. One. I saw that you did that. I was so excited that you went out and did that. Yeah, we filled out postcards and the whole community came out. And I thought, you know, even though it's like two days before this huge election, it's important for my kids to know that Politics isn't just something that happens in November, and civic engagement is all around you all the time. And you can advocate for your school, for your school board, your community. You can be on the PTA, and that like makes a difference in your community. And I think service is kind of an idea that's getting lost these days compared to past generations. I agree. I agree. And with that. I think that's something that we can talk to our kids about. Well, you probably already tuned us out if you don't like politics <laughs> by now. But I think if you don't like to talk about politics, Politics, you can talk about service. You know, you can serve your country in bigger ways in politics, but you can serve your community in smaller ways and get involved with the issues you care about. You can get involved with nonprofits that need your help. You can, like, go walk dogs on the weekend or plant trees in a park or donate your Halloween candy to children's hospitals. There's, There's so lots much. of screen-free ways to get involved in your community, for sure. And I love that. I do agree. I mean, volunteering was such a big thing when I was younger, and I know that a lot of colleges like to see that on applications. Oh, yeah. And so like, I know there are a lot of teenagers out there, but I'm hopeful that the emphasis on service is going to make its way back into popularity. And I want it to be a trend. I just want it to be something that is valued by generations for and, sure. You know, my kids are very involved. They've made calls and done phone banking with me and they really care about what's going on, but they do it in different ways. It's interesting. Thalia is kind of more like an activist. Like she led her school's 
walkout for gun control last year, which was really amazing. Like she really finds these issues she's passionate about and goes like all out yes. on them. Sage is more of kind of like this consensus builder. She's kind of like the politician. And can I can I do like a mom brag for a second? Yeah, totally. So she's at a brand new middle school this year where she went there knowing literally like one kid out of a class of 400. And she just ran for her classroom representative for the student council and she won. Yay, Sage! I'm so proud of her. That's her amazing. and one other boy. Not surprised. Not surprised. But I love that she's getting involved in her school. I know. And she gave a beautiful speech about how like she cares about LGBTQ rights and she cares about Black Lives Matter and she cares about social justice and she cares about immigration. She's like, and I know living in New York City, these things affect so many of us here as kids. And I want to make sure that everybody has a voice. And I thought, oh my gosh, she didn't talk about like, oh, I want the school dance to have like better decorations or I want to have better parking for the teachers. I want strawberry milk in the cafeteria. Yeah, I was like, wow, Sage, you're thinking really big. Now, I don't know how much she's going to bring that into the school, but I just, I thought that's how you start getting kids excited about civic engagement is like, you know, just be part of your student council at school. It's like a little thing you can do. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that kind of connects to what I wanted to bring up too, which is making it personal for them. You know, that lends itself to running for office at your school. But also there are a lot of issues that are being discussed and being voted on and being argued about and they affect our kids. Do you talk to your kids about what they think is important or do they come home and say, mom, like I heard about this thing and I'm concerned about it? No, they don't. I'm not necessarily. My oldest, who's in high school, yes, but not my younger kids. But I bring it up, particularly women's issues, um, abortion, healthcare for women, and all of that stuff is really important to me. I have three girls, but I also have a son. And so I talk a lot about being an ally and just pointing out the ridiculousness of things. I think it's really important for us to lay out what is the status quo now and how kind of crazy that can be Yeah, because I want my kids to question it. When you don't question it, when you become complacent, that's when it's a problem. But if you question, if you're like, wait, why don't women get to make the decisions for their own bodies? That doesn't make any sense. And you're like, yes, that's right. Think about that for a little bit. I want you to think about that. You can have good Socratic dialogue around that stuff. Totally. I think it's always good, actually, for kids to see both sides of the issue. And so we actually talk about that. They know where I stand. Yeah. But I try to speak very objectively. They'll be like, well, what's the difference between Republicans and Democrats? And I'm like, oh, Lordy, you mean now or like during Reagan? Exactly. (laughs) That's what I was trying to explain yesterday. But I talk about like, in general, (laughs) conservatives believe this because they think this and they believe in, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and the government shouldn't have to get involved, you know, with supporting people because that's something that should be done by communities or churches or religious groups. So I really try to balance it so they can come to an understanding. I think it's important we all understand each other better, first of all, even if we disagree. And I want them to be armed with that information. So for everybody who thinks that we're like indoctrinating our children, yeah, we kind of are. Because one of the cool things about being a parent is you get to like raise your kid <laughs> with your values, right? Sure. Like we don't bully. We are nice. We are kind to, you know, the white staff. Like we root for this team or we go worship at this church. Like the, the choices you get to make. But I want my kids to be aware enough that, you know, at some point they may say, well, mom, I disagree with this. And that's happened. Like my daughter has fought with me on certain things. And I'm like, you know what? I love that you have an opinion and that you've researched it enough to know. I'm sorry that you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm going to take away your phone until you agree with me. I know. I'm sorry, sweetie. You cannot marry your cat. (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's good. And I, I don't think a lot of people out there do that. It's hard to do, especially when the other side of the aisle is something that you might disagree with heavily. But it's important for them to see both sides. And we talk about it a lot. I think more now than we ever have. Yeah. And we will continue to do that. And that doesn't mean, by the way, like everyone should get along and respect each other and that's it and kumbaya. Like I don't entirely believe that. I think there are people out there who want to take away the rights of other people, people who are racist, people who are xenophobic. And I don't think that tolerance means you have to tolerate like horrible, hateful, disgusting, bigoted ideas. Like if anyone actively wants to hurt people in my friends and family circle, I don't feel like I have to respect that decision. But I do want to understand where it comes from so I can talk about that with my kids instead of just saying they're jerks. Like, that doesn't help anything. I want them to know where it comes from because who knows, maybe they'll be the ones that come up with a solution one day to fix things. But I think it's important, especially as a white woman, for me to not say like, well, let's all just get along at Thanksgiving and come to common ground. You know what? Sometimes you have to like call out the bad stuff in your family. And if we can't tell the people closest to us in our lives, like, you are doing this wrong, then like, who can we tell? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I am always very careful to talk to my kids about not necessarily that other people are wrong and that we're right, even though, guess what, inside, that's what I think. You know what? Nazis are wrong. I will come right out and say okay, that. Okay, well, yes. yes. <laughs> there are some things that are just totally I'm gonna wrong. I'm going to put myself on the line here. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> what I was mostly referring to were like general values, like certain values that I don't necessarily think are wrong but they're different than mine. Yes. Especially when it comes to if you have two parents in a home mm -hmm. who disagree, that's a really smart way to go about and it. And that's a great point because we, yeah. once upon a time, we did. We had two parents in a home who disagreed. Unfortunately, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I don't say that, but no, you know, well, I didn't say that I either. But like, it. you know, no, I think it's important for them to see both sides and to understand that there are people that have different values and they think differently. And then there are some people that are just wrong. And here's why that is wrong. You know, what I love about having kids and what I never had when I was a kid is the opportunity to discuss these things in a safe place. Mm. And I didn't have that growing up, but I hope my kids feel like they can ask questions and they can talk about these issues, which are really, really important in a place that's safe, in a place where they're going to be heard and they're not going to be told to be shushed, you know, like, oh, you know, seen but not heard kind of yeah. thing. That's not going to happen. And I think the more we can do that for our kids, the more that they have an opportunity to make big changes in this world. I think that's beautifully stated. You know, look, our kids will always rebel in some way and it will not be what we think. You know, like it was our parents going like, oh, heavy metal or whatever, like thinking that we were doing something crazy. You have two pierces in your ear. That's nuts. And now our kids <laughs> are going to do something that makes us go, what? And it's not going to be what we think or what we expect. And a lot of that is going to be values based or political or they'll have different views about things. And I think partly it's our job to hear them out and see how the next generation is changing and how they perceive the world and how how, you know, changes like this, like having 100 plus women in Congress is going to change the way they see things and what the ripple effect of that will be. And so I'm kind of excited about that, actually. I think it's really cool that they're growing up in an age where it's not weird to think of a black president or a Muslim congresswoman or a Native American congresswoman or a female Republican senator from Tennessee. Like, I think that's cool for them to see that. I'm excited about it, too. 
and I will pop my bubbly <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate, to celebrate, to celebrate. Okay, so listen, we've got a lot of links. You wrote a great post over on Cool Mom Picks. We will put all of the stuff that we talked about over on our podcast page. If you go to coolmompicks.com, you'll find everything that you need and probably then some. <laughs> and we would love to hear from you too. I mean, we'd love to hear from you about anything we talk about, but especially this, we would love to hear from you. And you can find us in many places. We're on email, spawned at coolmompicks.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We are everywhere. Sometimes we're just like texting. We're on Slack. (laughs) We're like on Pinterest, just hanging out, looking at the pretty Thanksgiving decor. We're everywhere. So you know what? How about we come back with our cool picks of the week right after this? Okay, Liz. So I have some stats for you. I know you are a resident data nerd. Yeah, I like stats. You got me all hot and bothered just thinking about stats. Yeah. So I got these stats from our newest sponsor, knowyourotcs.org. And are you ready for this? I'm ready. Eight out of 10 parents report that they have given the wrong dose of liquid medicine to their oh children my gosh. at some point. That scares me. Yeah, that's a lot. That's crazy. <laughs> well, you do you remember there was like a period where they recalled like all the best yes. working kids' medicines because parents were like giving their kids the wrong things, the wrong doses, and they like messed it up for everyone. Yeah, because they're just using spoons no, or bowls or whatever use the heck they have. Or a bowl to measure medicine. <laughs> Most medicines for kids in liquid form, they come with the little handy measuring cups so that you can use the right thing. It's important not to confuse like teaspoons and tablespoons and milliliters and milligrams. Like that would be terrible. So they make it easy for you. They do. And so knowyourotcs.org is a trusted online resource of the Consumer Healthcare Products Association Educational Foundation. That rolls right off the tongue. But you know what? Their mission is really simple because they know it's cold and flu season and they just want to show parents how to properly administer children's over-the-counter liquid medicines. That's what they want you to do. They want you to do it correctly. Over-the-counter OTC. OTC. I bet we have some listeners that learn something new there. OTC over-the-counter, as opposed to prescription, the stuff you get from your pharmacist. Yeah, and so the research that they've got here, nearly one in four parents of young children don't believe that OTC medicines are strong enough to require precise dosing. Oh, no, that's That's crazy. In fact, you know, it's so many medicines use the prescription, and then what happens is through all the craziness, like their patent expires or whatever, and then they go over-the-counter. So even stuff we grab like for us as adults like you know allergy medicine that stuff used to be prescription so of course it's strong yes it is strong and get this one in five parents of young children believe using a household spoon is okay for measuring otc medications you can measure ice cream with teaspoons (laughs) you can use it to measure peanut butter if you want peanut butter in a spoon but do not use it for your children's medicine that is a bad thing yes and so i love their cta be precise with the right device that one rolls right off the tongue it rhymes so if you want more information, if you have questions about dosing, all of that good stuff, go to knowyourotcs, that's O-T-C-S dot org to get more information and learn not to use a spoon. <laughs> Except for peanut butter and ice cream. All right. Well, it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Liz, what do you have? Well, I got two. I got to just sneak like one mention in here. because this is a, Okay, this is a good okay. segue. So first, I want to give a shout out to an organization called She Should Run. Yeah, SheShouldRun.org. Yes. It's really awesome. It's a nonpartisan 501c3. And their whole goal is to expand women running for office in the U.S. And they got tons of women started and elected this year. Their goal is to get at least 250 
150,000 women running, again, like top to bottom, every, like, this isn't just like Congress, this is everything by 2030 which is pretty cool. So anyway, that's like one cool pick of the week. And shout out to MZ Wallace, my favorite bag maker, mm-hmm. who created an exclusive bag where yes. the proceeds supported them. It's cool. It's a cool Two bag. Two of my favorite things. Okay, I'm going to transition to something totally not political, but like it's a good segue. Okay. Speaking of running, you know, it's like fall now. We're starting to like change up the clothes. It's getting cold out. <laughs> and so there's a company called Play, P-L-A-E. I know you know that. They've made some really cool, interesting kids shoes for years. And I think the guy who started it like used to be a designer at Puma. Really smart guy. So anyway, they came out with this like whole really cool new series of shoes called Sidekicks. And it's like, okay, okay, I'm not usually into the mommy and me matching thing. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. You're never into the mommy and me matching No, thing. I'm not. I'm totally not. And this is why I like that. Okay. So Sidekick shoes, they're kind of like a mix between leather high tops and like kind of booties they're great looking they sent me a pair so full disclosure i love them so much that i'm going back and i'm actually buying them for my kids like the kids version but the cool thing is they're kind of coordinated but not matching yeah yeah they're great i'm looking right now aren't they cool you you wouldn't know they're not matchy matchy and i love them because they don't they have instead of like velcro for adults they just have this like funky kind of closure so you don't have to tie the shoes which i really like Anyway, they're great. I'm going to put them on our podcast page so you guys can find them. They're made by Play. I'm so happy to have them that I'm Ooh. going to buy them for my kids because they want them now, too. Okay. And you are picky about shoes, my friend. Really? So if you are picking shoes, then they are good. They are. They're really good quality. I wore them around for two days. Okay. They didn't hurt my feet. They felt great. So yay. New shoes just make you feel like a new one. Yay. So what's your cool pick of the week? All right. Well, I am picking podcasts, Liz. What? 50 of them, I didn't actually. even know you liked podcasts podcasts. You're crazy. No, I don't really listen or do podcasts. (laughs) Um, So we have a Facebook group called OutTech Your Kids. And a few weeks ago, I decided, you know what? I need some new podcasts. I'm driving a lot more than I was. All my kids are in all these activities. I need some podcasts. So I just put this question up on our OutTech Your Kids Facebook group. And holy cow, so many recommendations. So Caroline on our team put it together in a huge post. And it is so awesome because if you're looking for a new podcast, you're like, I love Spawned. I listen to it 24, no, sorry, 23 hours a day, but I have an extra hour. (laughs) What should I listen to in that extra hour? Well, we have suggestions for you, my friend. And they're not just parenting. That's what I like. No. Actually, there's really only a few parenting podcasts. I mean, they run from The Teacher's Pet, which is my new one. Have you listened to this one, Liz? No. <gasps> it's like kind of serial-ish. Like it's like um, an Australian. Oh, yeah. Well, I read the description. It seems kind of cool. Ooh, I've been, I got to admit, I've been really kind of good. like glued to all the Crooked Media podcasts. Although she has one of them on there, right? Is it Friends Like These? Yeah, or yeah. one of the new Crooked Media, like all women? and podcasts is on there. I'm totally blanking on Yeah, so it's for every different interest, really. I mean, so check it out. We will link both of these things up, or actually all three of these things up, on our podcast page so you can find them. But yeah, it's just a great handy post if you're looking to add some more podcasts into the rotation and you just want some recommendations, we've got 50 of them. Yeah, and you know what I love about it? I mean, I wouldn't say it's like the 50 best because it's not like we personally curated them. No, no, no. It's It's literally like 50 random awesome podcasts recommended by people in our group and it's like pop culture and humor and mysteries and news and I just, it's really cool. I just found a lot of good new stuff there. So parents, you are smart. You have good ideas. (laughs) 
We like you. <laughs> we like parents. <laughs> well, Liz, that's another episode of Spawned. What do you think? I'm Woo-hoo. cheersing you. You know, that's not like my favorite new verb. So I'm cheersing <laughs> you from over here in my closet to your closet with a bottle of champagne oh. in honor of all these awesome new women in so the exciting. House of Representatives and the Senate. And please do good by us, ladies. We're counting on you. Yes. Please, please, please. Well, we have some people to thank. We have to thank our engineer, John Bowen, who makes us sound amazing every week. And we have to thank you for leaving a review on iTunes, for subscribing to our podcast, and for downloading our episodes. When you do that, I know it sounds a little weird, but it actually helps other people find our podcast. It's all algorithmic stuff. But hey, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawn. We hope you have something good to celebrate this week, too. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.